It's Megan. This is Orange Couch Therapy. Thanks so much for joining me. This is the sixth episode of the podcast, so we're here. Um, actually, last week I had to skip. We have been, oh, I would say we're about thigh deep into planning our daughter's quinceanera. Um, that's supposed to be happening in June as long as we can do it safely. So we are trying to wrap things up. We're trying to coordinate. We're trying to make calls. I'm answering emails. We're kind of in like one of those... Um, I don't know, one of the, in, in that part of the whole planning. Um, so yeah, so I was like, you know what? I just, uh, can't do it this week. So, but here we are. Um, I got this really cool topic, something that's kind of come up in my head, like the last few days, um, maybe even out over the last week or so as I was thinking of, um, doing another episode. And one of my favorite things to talk about is addiction to illness, are we addicted to our illnesses? Are we addicted to our anxiety? Are we addicted to our depression? Are we addicted to our whatever it is? Um, and this actually kind of reminds me of that one, um, what's that lady, Dee Dee Blanchard? And then uh, she had her daughter, Gypsy Rose, right? So she's you know fabricating or creating or inducing um, Ill- uh, illnesses in her daughter so she could gain sympathy and, um, and all that. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Um, if you haven't heard this story, I think there might be some documentaries on Netflix. If I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, I know there, there are documentaries. I just can't remember which platform. Such a sad story, such a tragic, tragic story. That little girl will not even, she's not even little, little. She, that's the thing is, um, she did such a good job of making her daughter, um, uh, like look and sound very developmentally delayed, which I think she was to a certain extent, but not the way she was portraying it. But just incredible, incredible that, you know, there there's people out there like that. Anyway, it's kind of an extreme example um, as I'm talking about addiction and being addicted to illnesses and stuff, because clearly with that lady, she, she had these secondary gains. The secondary gains were empathy. It was for her situation, um, the medical, the, um, um, the incentives she was getting. So the money or, you know, the donations and the public attention and the stories and all of that, like incredible. She made some incredible connections with people who just poured their heart out to her. Um, really sickening. I feel, I feel bad for the daughter. Um, and you know, both parties, I just, I don't know. I really truly believe that human beings aren't out there to do that. And just really, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm not sure what Dee Dee's story was in her childhood and stuff. Maybe that's where it developed. No idea. So again, going back to being addicted to our illnesses and, um, I think like my whole point in bringing this up is just kind of building awareness. It's never to, you know, down people or anything like that, because I mean, I think half the time, I think, I think actually the, probably the majority of people have are addicted to their illnesses and that's just how we, we function, right? So depending on what we've been through in our lives, you know, we learn how to adapt. We learn how to function through, um, you know, whatever it is, chaos or certain experience in our lives. We're, we're adapting all the time. And sometimes we adapt, um, we, we build these, um, new ways of functioning around certain things that are really uncomfortable or that we feel like we can't get through or, you know, whatever. And it just, it, it becomes very dysfunctional. And then 
we get like secondary gains with it because, well, shoot, it wasn't working before, but this, this is working. So, uh, and the secondary gain is that there's more, you know, I'm, uh, it's more comfortable. So, um, yeah. So like, let's take, for example, anxiety, um, anxiety can be manifested so differently. Most common is you know, panic attacks. Uh, we're looking at social anxiety. We have, we're constantly with the racing thoughts. What are people thinking about me? Um, we're overthinking things. We can't sleep, you know, stuff like that. Um, another way I think anxiety can be manifested is through anger. As we're projecting our anxiety, we're, we're using anger to project it onto other people. So we're getting the attention. We're like, basically for lack of a better term, it's us kind of subconsciously, not subconsciously, but just, um, without being clear in communicating our needs, we're going, Hey, I'm really uncomfortable right now. So you take care of this family member or super best friend or whoever always gives in to my needs. Um, this is absurd. You do something about it. This is your fault, right? Then we're making them feel guilty. And then the person who is made to feel guilty um, takes action. It makes you feel all better. So the secondary gain there, in my opinion, would be that you didn't have to deal with your own anxiety. You got rid of the discomfort. Now you're comfortable. You have somebody to lean on, somebody to support you, um, but it's dysfunctional and it's just so unfair to that other person. So that would be an example more, you know, like with anxiety. This actually sort of reminds me of a few episodes back when I was talking about fear of failure. Um, I, I think there was some stuff that I was talking about, like, you know, what, what, what is keeping you from moving forward and, you know, your fear of failure? Why, why are you fearing failure? Um, and I think these two, these two subjects kind of connect in a way, you know, it's just like, you know, if we have these goals, you know, our goals that we're trying to accomplish, you know, is it the fear of failure? Um, are we addicted to how we are currently functioning? So like, let's say you had a goal of, um, I don't know. We'll just take fitness. Okay. We'll take the fitness thing since we're still in the early months of the year. People are still trying to, <laughs> to stick through their, um, their, uh, you know, fitness goals for the new year. Okay. So let's just take that. Um, momentum has gone down. We are like, uh, I don't know what to do anymore. I've tried everything. It's just not working. I don't feel like it. I just didn't have time. Right. We got all the excuses, right? And if this is kind of a, a chronic thing, like you go through this every couple months where you totally lose the momentum, well, what's, what is the gain here? What is that secondary gain? What is in that particular situation? It actually really, really depends. Um, I think it kind of depends on each person. Actually, one quick example that came to my head is you never know. What if there's something a little bit deeply rooted than that when you're going, you know what, I actually have some, um, I'm very... Um, shy about my body image. So if I were to lose weight, would this gain more attention from whichever, you know, person? Is that going to make me feel completely uncomfortable? Because I had this really weird experience when I was growing up with some, you know, kind of the, you know, like a similar person or whatever. And is that what's keeping you right? So the secondary gain is that you don't have to work through that, that experience and how you feel and why you feel those things. Um, it's more comfortable. The secondary gain is comfort there. 
you're out of your comfort zone, if you were to move forward and actually push through, it totally makes sense. So, and I think that's the key thing is that as we're working through these things and we're working through our mental illness, or actually if we're not, the secondary gain, oh, my puppies are talking. The secondary gain is comfort. You're comfortable. You're comfortable in that situation. You've been living that way for years. Of course, you don't want to move forward. Of course, you're addicted to your illness because what's on the other side of the fence? How is that going to look? How are you going to imagine what that's going to look like? And if anything goes off and, and you know off the path and it's not doesn't go smooth, what is that going to look like? The need for comfort and control, and my 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 dog Max agrees, as you can hear in the background is a secondary gain to our illnesses and why we remain in our illnesses and my, why we might be a little bit of addicted to it. Because it's all we know. Show yourself some mercy, but move on. But how do I know if I'm addicted to my illness, Megan? Well, I don't honestly know because I'm not living in your life. So honestly, I think the best way to start was going is, is kind of asking yourself, is there anything in your life that you feel like you've just been stuck in? Um, Are there certain ways that you function in a relationship that has always bothered you or you've gotten feedback from multiple people saying the same thing like, hey, you know what? You usually act like this. Um, Anything like that going on? That might be a good place to start. This just kind of, this might be a little off topic, but this kind of reminds me of something else that um, I've been thinking about and that I think has come up in my office quite a bit recently is um, I've literally had people come to see me and they're like, hey, you know, this is going on in my life. It's pretty overwhelming. Um, So what should I do? Because as society says, if something like this ever happens in somebody's life, I should freak out about it and it should automatically mean that I'm going to experience trauma from it um, and that I will, it automatically uh, means that I'm going to be this dysfunctional person. So, so that's why I'm here. And it cracks me up because, you know, you guys are the CEOs of your life. No therapist, no doctor. They're going to give you their, their professional opinion, but they, you ultimately know yourself and what is going on. So, but I just, it's kind of come up a few times where after a few sessions, as we're kind of trying to process through things, um, we, we both decide to discontinue because I'm just like, you know, they're like, you know, is it bad that I'm not upset about this or that I don't have anxiety about this, this, and that? I'm like, no, we all, we all tend to hold on to things or we don't. And, and that's perfectly okay. I think the only time it becomes an issue is if it's really impacting your life, if it's really disrupting you and your life, or maybe, you know, your loved ones around you and maybe how you're functioning, then yeah, then maybe let's look into that. But if it's not, and you're absolutely at peace with everything, you're at peace with the situation, you're probably fine. It's kind of the opposite of this whole discussion of being addicted. There is such a thing as, you know, not being addicted to your illness and, and, you know, that you've been able to move forward effectively by yourself without professional intervention and support. All right. So if you've kind of did a little check-in with yourself and you're just like, hey, self, Do you have any areas in your life where you're feeling like you've been stuck and you just can't move past and, oh, maybe it's just a me thing and that's just how I am, so I'm going to accept it? 
if you're not really seeing those things and nothing is really kind of bothering you in that area in terms of like being addicted to your illness and, and how you're functioning, um, perhaps maybe there is somebody in the, in your life who is addicted to their illness. How do I function with them? How do you create peace for yourself with somebody who is addicted to their illness and their secondary gains? One word is boundaries. Create the boundaries for yourself to protect your peace and your mental health. I think a lot of people assume um, that just because we're in relationships um, or being, you know, somebody supportive, that we have to take responsibility for the people in our life, for the, for their emotions. So going to that example in the beginning of, of I was going to say this session, I'm so used to saying session, um, of this, um, what is this? A podcast. That's what it is. Episode. There we go. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> um, we were talking about the example of anxiety manifested in anger, um, how somebody can manifest their anxiety on, and project it onto somebody else through the use of anger. That would be their secondary gain is that somebody else is taking control over it and taking responsibility. We are not obligated to take responsibility for how somebody is feeling. They can literally come at us and say, you made me upset. You made me sad. You made me this. You made me that. First step, give yourself the space, the safe space, the quiet space to literally think about what they're saying and go, hmm, do I have any responsibility in their reaction at all? I mean, sure. Could you make somebody mad? Yeah, absolutely. I've made people mad, especially my husband. Sorry, honey. Um, <laughs> people have made me mad, but ultimately it is my responsibility to iron out those emotions. It is my responsibility. Nobody else's, not my husband's, not nobody's. So if you're kind of like in the heat of a conversation and somebody's like, you made me mad and you did this and you did that, blah, 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 blah. You can literally set up the boundary and go, you know, I'm going to separate. I'm going to, I'm going to stop this, this argument right now. So we can have some space to think about this because right now I'm not ready to respond and then separate yourself after actually giving it some thought, then you can respond. Then you can decide, you know what, actually I hear you. Um, here's the part where I really truly think that is, is my responsibility and moving forward, I'm going to be more aware of that. Um, so this doesn't happen again. Or on the flip side, you know what? I had no responsibility. My heart was in the right place. I do not take responsibility for that. You're kind of on your own with that one. Let me know if you need support along the way. I can totally just be there as a listening ear and hear what you're trying to get through, but I'm not taking responsibility for it. Are your responses to somebody their secondary gain? Are you providing those secondary gains in any way? Have you thought about that? Um, I guess a way to f start to figure out, you know, oh, is that, is that something that's going on with me? Maybe, maybe I am providing some kind of secondary gains. Well, kind of think of it this way, you know, if somebody's coming at you, um, or if even just being around, um, a particular person or people or whatever can totally, 
you know, like you, you get those, those same feelings around them, the uneasy feelings around them. Something's there. Those feelings are there for a reason. Check in with yourself. Why do I have these feelings every time I'm around this person? Why? Well, because they're always sitting here blaming me, blaming their, you know, whatever it is on me and making me take responsibility for it. Maybe it's something like that. Anyway, long story short, boundaries. Boundaries are going to be huge. Um, you are not responsible for anybody else's emotions, but yourself, but your, but your, yeah, but your own, um, plain and simple. That's it. And by all means, if you're kind of left with, um, being unsure if any of this kind of applies to you, by all means, designate somebody in your life who you feel like gives really good feedback and is a good listener and, um, you know, bounce, bounce the ideas off of them and talk it through. And Hey, you know, that's what therapy's for too. Um, it's always a, it's always a good discussion. Um, thanks so much for listening. This is, uh, this is Megan. This is orange couch therapy and I'll see you guys next week. Have a great one.